Welcome to the podcast, Potables Network. You're listening to Power Bombs and Potables, brought to you by the Andrew Boss team at Berkshire Hathaway. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at PowerBombsPPN for pro wrestling news and talk. You can also follow us on Instagram and untapped at Process Potables. Check out our other shows on Twitter uh, at Process Potables for Sixers and NBA Talk. The NBA is coming back just a couple of weeks. Uh, Pucks PPN for the Flyers and NHL Talk. And, of course, at Popcorn PPN uh, for movies. We're going to have some new stuff coming out there. A bonus pod coming out this week on the Podcast Potables Network. For news, blog posts, info on breweries that we've worked with, and more, make sure to check out www.processpotables.com. Well... Well, COVID-19 has finally struck the WWE big time. The curse of the Impact title continues, and so much more on this week's Power Bombs and Potables. Welcome to this week's edition of Power Bombs and Potables on the Podcast Potables Network. My name is Corey Oates, and I'm your host every single week. We give you the rundown of the news and the week that was in professional wrestling. And uh, what a week it was. We have a lot of news, and uh, in my opinion, not much coming out of the forefront of anything really on some of these shows. We'll talk about some of them. We will. Um, but nothing really substantial. But, I mean, that's kind of been uh, another one of the themes in amongst itself uh, as it pertains to professional wrestling. Uh, but we're going to start off the show like we do every single week. We're going to break down uh, the news that was in this week's Quick Sips. All right. So, for Quick Sips this week, I had to re- dig into the fridge because this past weekend, myself and Dan... Pod Daddy himself. We took a little trip down to Virginia, and we hit a lot of breweries. So we did a giant beer haul. Uh, so tonight we're keeping it light. All right. Uh, this is from Solas Brewing Company in Sterling, Virginia. It suns out, hops out. It's a session IPA. This baby uh, cracks in at 4.7 ABV, uh, and it, it Solas Brewing. If you ever get a chance down in uh, Sterling, Virginia. Check it out. Beautiful facility. We had so many beers there, and they were all tremendous. I also have a can of their 10th anniversary uh, double IPA uh, in my fridge. I have a four-pack of that. I'll be sure to talk about that on uh, another e- episode. This one is very, very smooth. It went great last night. Um, had some had some barbecue down there in Virginia, and this was it was it was not overly hoppy and it was what a session should have been sometimes i find that sessions are still heavier than what uh i really want them to be this was perfect all right so to the news last week multiple people in the wwe uh had been found uh, at the performance center that tested positive for covid19 which included in-ring talent. Now, while it's unclear as if they were tested exactly and how they were, many of them uh, 
were wrestlers and tell us that uh, at least three people who had been uh, at the WWE Performance Center in Orlando received positive test results this week. Now, as the week went on, there was, they said, about 30. All right, to give you an idea. Uh, Basically, because of the developmental talent that tested positive last week, the production had to be shut down for a day so that they could, you know, figure out who in the building needed to be tested and and, and figure out who needed uh, to be retested, figure out the negative tests so they could resume the testing. So, um, PW Insider and Fightful and other publications reported that there was no more friends and family that was going to be allowed in the crowd during these tapings uh, that started uh this past Friday. WWE released a statement on Wednesday stating that the WWE will continue COVID-19 testing of its talent production crew and employees in advance of TV productions for the foreseeable future. Prior to last week, the company had been doing temperature checks and other measures to make sure that people entering the Performance Center were in good health. The list of on-camera talent that has come forward, at least, to be announced that they have tested positive for COVID-19 is Renee Young, Jamie Noble, Adam Pierce, and Kayla Braxton, who apparently this is her second stint already with the virus. Uh, wish them the, the, the best on the, the health recovery, but it's they're, they're the only the ones that we know about, and there could be more. Uh, and there's still some people like uh, Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, who are just sitting at home because they uh, care about their health. It's a shame they can't say the same thing about Ric Flair, but that's another story. Monday, a big story broke. All right. Sammy Guevara has been suspended without pay until further notice by AEW over a comment he made about Sasha Banks in a 2016 podcast that resurfaced this past week on social media. The audio resurfaced from a 2016 interview where Guevara talked about a tryout he had taken part of at the Performance Center. In the clip, he says, quote, bro, Sasha Banks, oh my God. When I was at the WWE the other week, I wanted to just fucking rape that woman. End quote. Wow. Whether or not that was 2016 or 2020, that comment never really aged well at all. It was the the wrong wording, the wrong usage, and he's now paying for something that he did. Now, on Monday, Guevara tweeted the following. I've made a uh, quote. I've made a stupid, inappropriate, and extremely offensive comments in my past. In my idiotic mind, I thought I was being funny and using words and terms that represent nothing but horror and pain. I am truly sorry for my hurtful words and actions, and I will never forgive myself. End quote. Sammy uh, added an additional apology later on Twitter, which was directed at Sasha Banks. Quote, I also want to apologize to Sasha Banks for my unacceptable comments. End quote, he said. Uh, another quote, he, uh, she's an amazing person who didn't deserve to uh, the brunt my offensive remarks. I spoke with her earlier and she helped me learn a gigantic lesson and I thank her for that. Once again, I am sincerely sorry. End quote. So, Sasha Banks went to Twitter and here's what she said. Earlier I spoke with Sammy. He apologized and we had an open discussion. Words like the comments he made, jokingly or not, have absolutely no place in our society. I don't condone or tolerate this kind of behavior. What one thinks is just a side comment can have a massive impact on someone else's life and can send the wrong message. We have to hold ourselves accountable for our actions and the words we say. And I hope this situation shows him that. 
I hope from this point on, in order for growth and change within our community to take place, we can all continue to have these conversations. No person, man, woman, or child should ever be subjected or fe- uh, to a feeling of fear of, uh, or any unsafe environment. We all have to do better, not just for ourselves, but for generations to come. Sincerely, Mercedes Bernardo. Uh, wrapping that up, AEW released uh, the following statement on Monday later on regarding Sammy's comment. AEW insists on doing our part to create a world of understanding and respect for humankind. We therefore strongly condemn the extremely offensive and hurtful words of Sammy Guevara. As such, effective immediately, Sammy is suspended without pay until further notice. Sammy has agreed to undergo extensive sensitivity training and upon completion, his future status within the company will be reevaluated. During his suspension, his salary will be donated to the Women's Center of Jacksonville. NXT UK star Travis Banks has been released by the WWE after admitting to having a relationship with a 17-year-old trainee in the past. The news was first broke by post-wrestling's John Pollock. Uh, and was since confirmed that the termination uh, with the sources within the WWE. Uh, Banks firing comes after wrestler Millie McKenzie accused Banks of being emotionally manipulative during a secret one-year relationship when she was 17. Banks subsequently released a statement confirming they had a consensual relationship when she was a trainee of his and said he was sorry for any pain caused by it. Uh, He was the third termination in the wake of these allegations that came out of the Speaking Out movement. The first two were Jack Gallagher and Liguero. Impact Wrestling announced Michael Elgin, Joey Ryan, David Crist will no longer appear on their shows going forward. Now, Joey Ryan and David Crist were fired over allegations that were made during this hashtag Speaking Out movement. As for Elgin, Impact Wrestling uh, announced that Elgin will not be appearing on any further Impact Wrestling program. Uh, The report that Elgin has been removed from the roster page as well as their merch store, but has not been officially announced as being released yet. Uh, Elgin was suspended from Impact this week pending further review after being accused of the Speaking Out movement of sending unwanted nude photos to women among other old incidents. And a little more on the Joey Ryan situation. Joey Ryan has wiped his social media accounts clean in the wake of multiple allegations of sexual abuse. Now uh, streaming uh, service High Spots is making sure he won't continue to profit off of them. In a statement uh, provided from, by Post Wrestling again, High Spots owner Michael uh, Bacico uh, explained, quote, we ended the agreement as it relates to any future money being paid to Joey. Therefore, we removed Bar Wrestling from the High Spots Wrestling Network. Since Bar Wrestling would have received money based on the number of viewers it attracted, uh, end quote. Uh, but Chico explained that Joey Ryan's penis party was not pulled from the service because Ryan had uh, was paid a one-time fee to use his name and made no money from the sales. The show will be rebranded as Russell Khan's penis party, and they will not be doing any future shows under the name. What a what a name in the first place. Continuing on, their high spots is yet to pull any bar wrestling DVDs or video downloads because no money would go to Ryan. But but Chico said that they plan uh, they might uh, plan to change that in the future. Since the hashtag Speaking Out movement began, Ryan has been accused of numerous acts of sexual abuse and harassment. Uh, an anonymous female wrestler said he once sexually assaulted her after a show. A former girlfriend alleged Ryan choked her and was verbally abusive. Wrestler Roxy uh, Ryan began a f- uh, says that Ryan began a flirting with her uh, relationship with her when she was just 17 years old. Ryan uh, issued a since deleted apology on Saturday in which he declined to comment on specific allegations on advice of his lawyer. 
He did, however, manage to place a partial blame on the fact that he began to live a rock star lifestyle after his, quote, dick flip went viral. According to SoCal Uncensored, Ryan's promotion bar wrestling has also ceased operations. His current employer, Impact Wrestling, uh, has also, like I said, released him. More big news. Tessa Blanchard has been stripped of the Impact World Championship and terminated from her contract with the promotion. Impact Wrestling released a statement to PW Insider, uh, which they later posted on their site saying, quote, Impact Wrestling confirmed that it has terminated its relationship with Tessa Blanchard and stripped her of the Impact Wrestling World Championship, end quote. Uh, Blanchard has not competed for Impact since the COVID-19 pandemic began. Her contract was set to expire before Slammiversary next month, but she had been advertised for the event as taking place in part of a title defense against Trey uh, Miguel, uh, Eddie Edwards, Ace Austin, and a fourth competitor. The 24-year-old wrestler is living in Mexico at the moment and reportedly did not send in promo footage for a recent episode of Impact, which landed her in hot water. Blanchard won the Impact World title uh, in January and missed a wave of controversy. If you remember the weekend that she was about to win the title, uh, ex-Impact star uh, Sienna, a.k.a. Allison Kay, uh, went public that weekend and stated that there was an incident in Japan in 2017 involving Tessa and a wrestler named Black Rose. According to Sienna, Tessa called uh, Black Rose the N-word in the locker room and spit in her face. The woman in question uh, backed her claims and the other woman stepped forward uh, with allegations of bullying. Tessa, of course, has been denying allegations, saying that she's never had a, you know, said a racial slur again at any point in her life. And finally, on the news portion here, the Great American Bash is being resurrected for the next two editions of, it, of NXT. Now, it was never announced on the show, but right after it went off the air, they announced that the next two weeks are going to be the Great American Bash. Uh, so, basically, yeah, we're going to see a head-to-head pay-per-view of sort on TV with uh, the Great American Bash with NXT and AEW's Fighter Fest over the next two weeks. Of course, the Great American Bash was an annual NWA WCW event and later WWE that ran from 1985 through 2012. Dusty Rhodes came up with the idea and the concept of the event. The last bash aired on the Sci-Fi Channel as a special episode of SmackDown. Uh... Back in uh, 2012. Oh, and one last little thing. Chris Jericho returning to the announce desk this coming Wednesday night for night one of AEW's Fighter Fest. He will take on Orange Cassidy in night number two on July the 8th's Fighter Fest. And that's it for this week's Quick Sips. So I definitely want to do things differently than we normally do on this show. I want to take a step back to speaking about the whole Tessa Blanchard thing. Now, this is something that I've been talking about for literally months now on this program. And the fact that Impact decided to put the belt on Tessa Blanchard, more in my opinion, to make a statement, not saying that she doesn't deserve to be any form of champion, but they went forth with making her their world champion. Then they just allowed her to leave the country with their title. Now, she's 24 years old and has quite the reputation of just having a bad attitude and doing what she wants. She's not in a position to, to really, in my opinion, just make her own decisions about things like this. If the only thing, no, 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 step back here, because 
Impact had to work around a pay-per-view that was on TV in April around her not leaving Mexico and coming back in. April. Then they said, okay, let's start this again. We'll give her till July. All they've asked her to do is use her phone, which I'm sure she has because she still posts things on the internet, and shoot a couple of vignettes and send the footage in. And that was too much to ask of their world champion. And at the top of this program, I referred to the Impact title being a cursed title. But look back at all of the champions that have had it. You had it uh, start with EC3, who EC3 had had a decent run, but then he left and went to WWE. Uh, Matt Hardy had it. He went to WWE, went to TNA. I mean, uh, he went to AEW. You had Alberto El Patron, who I'm pretty sure had to forfeit the title. Then Bobby Lashley had it. Then Drew Galloway had it. Both those guys are in the WWE. Then you had Eli Drake have it. Eli Drake's in the NWA. You had Austin Aries have it, whom Austin Aries basically no-sold his... uh, title loss when he he got pinned by John Morrison he instantly jumped up flipped off Don Callis and walked out of the building really kind of tarnishing the title win for Johnny Impact oh yeah Johnny Impact also no longer in that company then Brian Cage was their champion Brian Cage works for AEW now so essentially The only, the only champion that that company has had in the last five years that is still employed by that company is Sammy Callahan, which is crazy, crazy to me how everybody that they have put a rocket on has been people that are in the door and out the other in months. Tessa Blanchard is a talent, but in my opinion, in my personal opinion, you have an attitude like that, there's no no way that the WWE is going to want to touch her. There's no way that AEW is going to want to touch her, despite the fact that her dad is employed by that company. So, we're going to see. The rumors are out there that WWE has been in talks with her, but that kind of says to me that they realize the upside potential in her and they just don't want her to go to AEW because let's face it, let's face it. That AEW women's division is young and they could really, really use a star like Tessa Blanchard. But Tessa Blanchard also at the age of 24 comes with a lot of baggage already. It's a lot of um, food for thought there on the Tessa Blanchard uh, impact situation. So I'm going to jump right into Monday Night Raw this week, and I'm going to do things a little bit differently in how I really talk about this show. Uh, I'm just going to really talk about the, the stuff that I liked. So the show starts off with Drew McIntyre in the ring, 
And he gets interrupted by Dolph Ziggler, who comes out and announces that AJ Styles was traded to SmackDown for himself as well as Robert Roode, which we, we talked about last week on the show. But now you actually have the full debut and he's come out and he also says that Robert Roode's the other person that comes with him. And now that they're a tag team again, but we still haven't seen Robert Roode. I'm sure we're not going to see Robert Roode for a while because he's not leaving Canada. In the end, this ends up being where Dolph has challenged Drew McIntyre for the WWE title uh, in a match that will take place on July the 18th at Extreme Rules. Uh, I think that these two could have a good match. It's just kind of one of those deals where, once again, the WWE has decided to go with a new champion. And they're put in a situation where the new champion doesn't really have anybody to work with that they haven't worked with a bunch of other times prior to, and it gets stale. Remember when Daniel Bryan finally won the title? And his first feud was Kane. Didn't work out too well. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from McIntyre. I like what they're doing, but I feel like you should be working more with Andrade as opposed to having Andrade in the tag team title picture. But that's just that's just me. What the hell do I know? Next, in a weird situation, Nia Jax comes out to the ring. She asks for a chair, and she sits down in the ring. Uh, Nia is mad that Charlotte got a title match and didn't feel that she deserved one, uh, which is going to happen on this show. Uh, at this point, she <laughs> gets cut off by R-Truth, which leads to Akira Tozawa and his ninjas coming out and chasing out R-Truth. So this really had no place whatsoever. But Nia says she's not leaving until Charlotte comes out. And then Charlotte comes out, tells her that she dropped the ball. And now she didn't get her way, so she's throwing a temper tantrum. Uh, Nia tells uh, Charlotte that she gets everything because of her dad. <sighs> Can we just stop with that? It's really been bad. And, and it's been coming out so much more since these last couple weeks where Charlotte no longer has been a champion. And they're still trying to utilize her as a main event player. So the, the daddy jokes have been coming uh, more. It ends up being where uh, these two have a brawl, but uh, Charlotte does get a little banged up. After this segment later in the show, you see her with the uh, uh, kinesis tape on her, I believe, left shoulder uh, slash collarbone area. Uh, and that does come into play later on in this show as well. Street Profits and the Viking Raiders had a match. Finally. They had a match. It was an okay match. Didn't go too, uh, too long. Street Profits get the clean win. Uh, Matas Ford hit a frog splash onto Ivar for the Profits to retain the Raw Tag Titles. Uh, after this uh, was when they get uh, attacked by uh, Angel Garza and Andrade. And that is where we're going to end up getting them uh, challenging. Later on in the show, in a backstage with Charlie Caruso for the Raw Tag Team titles, uh, which is going to be taking place at Extreme Rules. Asuka versus Charlotte Flair. These two had a good match. A really good match. They do a great job of being stiff, like, but you can always count on that with Asuka. And uh, Charlotte is definitely not afraid to uh, lay it in there. In the end, Charlotte gets tapped out with the Asuka lock. Uh, and then right afterwards, uh, Naya 
attack Charlotte backstage. She uh, goes after the arm collarbone and then and then shoves her left arm in a in a door. Uh, it's come out that Charlotte has been written off TV. There are reports saying as far as the Royal Rumble of next year will be as far as she's going to be out. Uh, I believe that Charlotte has gone and basically denied that rumor, but she does need some time off. I'm sure the exact time frame will be uh, available soon because she is one of those people that they need. So as soon as she's going to be available to come back, I'm sure you, you know you can expect Charlotte Flair to be back in the ring. There is a absolutely tremendous promo uh, from Edge. He's sh- he's in a ring. He tells Randy Orton that his actions have relit the fire and brought out and helped him find the rated R superstar again. So right there, we know Edge is officially coming back. When? We don't necessarily know, but we know that he's coming back and he's coming back for Randy Orton. So in the meantime, they're going to have to find a way to keep Randy Orton hot. So in the course of one week, he took out Edge and he took out Christian. But after... On Raw Talk, the Big Show cut a promo on Randy Orton saying, hey, you know, uh, Randy Orton's not going to bully me. He knows where to find me. So Ric Flair is out here for a promo. He is out here to basically anoint Randy Orton as the greatest wrestler of all time. Uh, Flair calls him the best performer in the history of WWE. Uh, Orton says that it's nostalgic that they are in the ring right now together. Uh, but sometimes nostalgia can be confused with legacy. It was nostalgic when Flair showed the entire world that he was the dirtiest player in the game, and it's nostalgic that he punted Christian as punishment for accept- accepting his challenge. Uh, and it was nostalgic that Edge stepped in the ring for the very last time. He then said, The legend killer moniker is not a nostalgia, but it feels good for him that the voices in his head are agreeing with him again. Uh, so they're, they're pushing Randy Orton now once again as the legend killer. Which is, I guess, okay. I don't know how long it's going to be for Edge to come back, but, you know, obviously completely different uh, story. You know, that time will tell where that is. But in the meantime, I guess we're going to just have Randy Orton feuding with older talent, which brings out the Big Show. Big Show says he's not going to let Rick glorify what Orton did last week. Big Show says Orton will pay for what he did to Edge and Christian. Says that Orton was a narcissistic parasite from the moment he met him. Uh, Orton latches onto competitors that make him better because he lacks the self-discipline and motivation to make himself better. Big Show tells Orton that Edge isn't done and he will pay him back. Uh, but he won't get the satisfaction of taking him out alone because he will break every bone in Randy's body. At this point, Orton and uh, Flair get out of the ring, and he uh, calls Big Show a future Hall of Famer, uh, but Orton basically says that it would be tragic for Big Show to suffer the same fate as his friends, and uh, Orton left the ring, like I said, said that he gave Big Show a chance, and now he knows Big Show knows what he's capable of, and now Randy is motivated and uh, what happens next is on him. So I'm guessing we're going to see Big Show Randy Orton at Extreme Rules. Um, I don't know. <laughs> We've, we're in such a bad time. When you're trying to get a wrestling podcast off the ground, and here I am talking about Randy Orton and The Big Show on Monday Night Raw in 2020. It's 
It feels like something that I should have been talking about in 2007, not necessarily 2020. Not saying these guys are past their, their prime too much or anything like that because they could still go. Uh, Big Show, obviously, he's he's lost a lot of weight, but they use him only when they need him. So he's already in that nostalgic you know, s- scenario. We've seen him twice this year. He, he came out right after the night after WrestleMania uh, to wrestle Drew McIntyre, and then he's been back here fighting ninjas and now he's going to be you know taking on the the legend killer randy orton uh sasha banks and bailey versus the iconics for the raw tag team titles uh sasha tapped out peyton royce with the bank statement in a very quick match this match only went about five minutes long after the match uh bailey and sasha were celebrating and sasha tells bailey that she's been thinking that every time she looks at bailey that she's kind of uh jealous of her having her two belts and she wants a title match. And then so she challenges Asuka for the Raw Women's title at Extreme Rules. On a sidebar, she will be facing Io Shirai for the NXT Women's title this Wednesday night, which was never advertised on TV. So I don't see how that helps anybody. So you're not going to have Sasha beat Io Shirai for the belt because then Sasha's already going to have two belts so then that kind of almost guarantees that she would then lose to Asuka but then you're not going to beat Sasha cleanly because then everybody's going to not give her a chance against Asuka so it's kind of a lose-lose situation if you ask me so I expect some form of a disqualification in that match this Wednesday night once again, MVP's out here trying to recruit Apollo Crews. There's another VIP lounge. Apollo says that he's done everything uh, without MVP's help so far in his career. He appreciated the offer, but the answer is still no. And uh, once again, he cha- he defends the title tonight against Shelton Benjamin. And once again, uh, Apollo ends up winning with that sit-out powerbomb cleanly. Afterwards, Lashley locks on a full Nelson and uh, that's where that is. So the final segment of the show is uh, Dominic and Rey Mysterio in the ring together. Rey and Dominic are in the ring. Uh, and Rey says that not getting a hold of uh, his kids is one of the scariest things ever. Uh, knowing, Not knowing where Dominic was didn't make him feel any better about it. Uh, avenging what Seth did to him was honorable. And it managed to get himself out of a three-on-one situation. And he's proud of him. Ray's also angry at Dominic because he put himself in harm's way. Uh, Ray says that he's pissed at Seth and he's learning to accept that. Mysterio then says that uh, no matter how big Dominic gets, he will remain his child since he fought for him. Now he has to return the favor, uh, but has to do it alone, which brings out Seth Rollins. Rollins says that he's been put in a difficult position because he doesn't know what to do. Uh, he does, does he slaughter a father in front of his son? Does he make Mysterio watch Dominic being sacrificed? Seth doesn't know what to do, but it, it's not up to him. Uh, this is fate, prophecy, and destiny, he says. Mysterio and Dominic are in the same place at the same time. The two eyes are better than one. Seth approaches the ring and kneels down with his arms out, and out comes Austin Theory and uh, Buddy Murphy. They come out, and from behind, Aleister Black and Humberto Carrillo take them out. All right. Dominic then fights off Murphy. Carrillo knocks out Theory with an enziguri and takes everyone out with a dive. 
Seth is cornered and hit by a 619, and then everybody gets in the ring. Mysterio and Dominic attempt to shove Seth's eye into the Seth before Theory and Murphy continue uh, on with a you know, counter of the attack. Seth takes Dominic and is about to put his eye through the steps before Carrillo and Black chase everyone off with chairs. And that is how Monday Night Raw ended. Another week, another extremely passable show. The only thing that you really needed out of this show was the Asuka Flair match. Pretty good match. And the stuff with Edge. You know, that that, that in-ring, that, that vignette with Edge was just tremendous. Go out of your way to catch that. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch Impact Wrestling this week. <laughs> Impact Wrestling is not, you know, something that's at the top of my list of things to watch. Uh, but I tried to do it because it's not something that everybody gets to cover here. The real news of this week with Impact, we already covered. So... We won't really need to get into anything that happened on their TV show this week. AEW this week. So, once again, AEW had a very good show. Now, they got destroyed in the ratings this week. NXT defeated AEW almost 100,000, which isn't, isn't good. The show starts off with Luchasaurus versus Wardlow in a lumberjack match. Now, I found this interesting. So the heels are on one side of the ring. The faces are on another side of the ring. But then there's two other sides of the ring where there's nobody. First time I've ever seen a lumberjack match like that. Uh, these guys do a lot of big strongman moves. Luchasaurus does a spot where he does um, a kick and goes to sweep. Yeah, this was a weird part. I'm, I'm reading my notes here. He goes to sweep the leg of Wardlow. But when you go to sweep the leg... You take the back of the legs out, and the guy falls on his back. However, Luchasaurus kicked out in the front of Wardlow, and Wardlow still fell down on his back. Think about that, how that's, how that's going. If you're being tripped up with momentum, from, the, from one, whatever way, you usually go back. So he should have gone onto his face. No, he still went on his back. So that was kind of a mess up on both uh, of these guys' parts. It doesn't really make any sense here. Uh, Wardlow hit a superplex on Luchasaurus for a near fall. Uh, they end up brawling to the stage area. And Wardlow kept throwing lumberjacks onto everyone below. And they'd catch them and do the falling like domino spots. Then everybody two seconds later would get back up for the next person. It was it was bad. We, they threw Marco's stunt. Uh, eventually Luchasaurus knocks Wardlow off. And then everybody does the domino effect for him. And then everybody gets right the fuck back up again for Luchasaurus to do a shooting star off the stage onto everybody again. Come on, guys. Like, seriously? MJF gets on the apron. Jungle Boy hits him with a running spear through the ropes, which was the best part of this match. Wardlow low blows Luchasaurus and hits him with the F10 for the finish. Skirmish in the ring uh, while this is going on. They announced that Tony Khan has signed Wardlow and MJF versus Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus for Fighter Fest. FTR versus SCU. Great tag team match. Go out of your way. This was the match of the week, ladies and gentlemen, on television. FTR, SCU. Uh, these guys tore the house down. Stereo suplexes outside of the ring uh, that looked just nasty. I think that went through a commercial break. Uh, the FTR does the slingshot suplex, uh, FTR went for the old power and glory finish, but it got blocked, 
just two very sound tag teams in this match together. Uh, FTR wins with the Goodnight Express for the win. FTR then cuts a great promo on the entire tag division. Uh, then the Butcher and the Blade are in the FTR truck out on the outside of the building. Uh, the, the the ramp, I guess you would, driving in where they've been coming in for their entrance. Uh, but then back in the ring, the Lucha Brothers are in there. And this is the first time we've seen either of them since February, I believe, or March. Uh, Fighter Fest, we're going to have an eight-man tag match with the Young Bucks and FTR versus the Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha Brothers. So I'm looking forward to that one. That should be uh, absolutely uh, tremendous. Now, Brian Cage did another squash match. Excellent. Again, after this, uh, Taz uh, cuts a promo on Moxley. Uh, and, uh, you know, these Taz promos, Taz is doing a great job. Uh, and he's what Brian Cage needs. Brian Cage isn't a horrible talker, but I, I've always been a fan that the muscle has a talker for him. Let that let their actions do their talking. Well, in the meantime, have the manager talk them up of how much of a badass they are. Uh, once again, Colt Cabana and uh, Brody Lee they are teasing that uh, eventually Colt is going to go with him, and they they had a match earlier on this show where Colt Cabana got the pin, and he says later on in the show that it felt good to win. So I'm thinking more and more, we're taking these steps. We're going to get him there. Uh, Santana versus Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy ended up winning with a twist of fate. Realistically, the 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 end section of this show, Jericho and Orange Cassidy have a face-off. Now, Jericho came out, told uh says that the the kicks are aren't you know funny anymore and then he says he will knock the juice out of orange cassidy at fighter fest he tells him that you know if he goes to give him the shin kicks that he's going to punch him in the face so naturally orange cassidy does the shin kicks and these two brawl and it it ensues where jericho ends up hitting orange cassidy over the the ear with a jib camera and bust Cassidy open bad. He needed stitches after the show. Uh, but this was the first real outing that Cassidy has had where he seemed like the underdog but had that fire-up moment to end with uh, himself on top putting Jericho through a table. If this was in front of a crowd, it would have been a moment that they played back for years to come because of how it built up properly. For them to get to that final high spot where Orange Cassidy puts him through that table. For Fighter Fest coming up, let's just run down the card because we have night one coming up next week. Uh, well, not next week. This week, July the 1st. So this coming Wednesday night, the uh, TNT Championship will be online as Cody Rhodes uh, defends against Jake Hager. The World Tag Team titles, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page will defend against the best friends. AEW women's title, Hikaru Shida, will defend against Penelope Ford, MJF and Wardlow versus Jurassic Express on this show, and Private Party versus Santana and Ortiz. For night two on July the 8th, the world title match will be John Moxley, Brian Cage, uh, willing that Moxley is able to, to make it, 
due to some COVID situations. We didn't actually touch on that earlier in the show. Obviously, we touched on the fact that his wife, Renee Young, tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, so because of that, Moxley took the measures to inform that he had come in contact with somebody and he didn't come to TV last week. He will not be there this week as well. We have that world title match. Orange Cassidy, Chris Jericho will be on night two. FTR and the Young Bucks versus the Butcher, the Blade, and the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon, and Ray Phoenix. Uh, Lance Archer versus Joey Janela and SCU versus Brody Lee. Uh, Stu Grayson and Colt Cabana will be on night two of Fighter Fest. So that was AEW. And uh, moving on to NXT. NXT has just really prepared ourselves for the Great American Bash that's going to be happening this week. Uh, unfortunately, these last couple weeks, I haven't. There's nothing for me to really sink my teeth into with this show. I'm just trying to keep you updated with things. Obviously, with these two, these Wednesday night shows, we're going to have a lot to talk about on the next couple of shows. Uh, and then the following week after that, uh, we should have a break before the big weekend with Slammiversary and Extreme Rules. So, on prior to the show of NXT this week, Cameron Grimes attacked Damian Priest, uh, which they show as the sh- you know it comes live. Grimes cuts a promo about how he should win their match by forfeit, but wouldn't you know, Priest, against the advice of medical staff, makes it to the ring, and Cameron Grimes beat Damian Priest. Now, Cameron Grimes, or Trevor Lee, (laughs) as he was for several years on the indies, he's a great wrestler. The biggest thing is that he's like five foot seven. So there's only so much stock they can put in him, but they must see something special because they've been putting him up in major programs with guys. And you look at somebody like Damian Priest who needs wins because it seems like every time you turn around, this guy is losing a match and he's a big guy. Damian Priest is is well over six foot. So you're telling me, I mean, it made sense for the story that, you know, you take him out. So now Damian Priest isn't at 100%. Still just, I don't know where the credibility in Cameron Grimes that they're building up to. Like, where's the payoff eventually with Cameron Grimes? That's more where my question comes in. And I don't even have an idea at this point. Uh, I feel that we'll need another couple of weeks and maybe that will get uh, straightened out because there's just too much uh, right now where we're, you're trying to connect the strings to who's going where. Rhea Ripley gets approached by Robert Stone again. He thinks that Rhea's playing hard to get and mentions Aaliyah has signed to the Robert Stone brand. Uh, Ripley then slammed him into a dumpster once again. Aaliyah came over to help him and slapped Rhea Ripley in the face. They will have a match later on in this show, which we'll talk about. There's another great video of Timothy Thatcher training people as as well. I'm, I'm loving those videos every single week, these two weeks we've been getting, where he's just showing the, the moves. It literally looks just like a stretch, uh, a stretch session that they talked about all those years uh, in Stu Hart's dungeon, where you'd, you'd go to see Brett and have a, a conversation with him to talk business, and Stu would be like, hey, you want me to show you some moves and then he'd stretch, you know, JR or whoever was there in the basement and make them tap out. Uh, Santos Escobar defeated Jake Atlas by pinfall. I don't know. I thought that the reveal of Santos Escobar was tremendous. 
I liked the promo last week where everybody was wearing suits. But then this week, Santos Escobar wrestled a match. And it did nothing for me. So, I obviously want to see more with him and uh, Drake Maverick. I'd like maybe for Drake to get an upset win over him, maybe take the belt. Because that would at least get a, a payoff for Drake. But I don't see them doing that, being that this is part of a storyline that they started back in April, March. And they just paid off now, and it, it worked out in, in a good way with uh, him having the reveal as uh, the, the leader of the masked men. Um, so they did... They did more therapy this week. Yep, they did. And this week, we finally get the reveal that the Doctor was indeed Kyle O'Reilly. Which was funny because the whole time last week it was shooting and Roger Strong never sees Kyle O'Reilly sitting there. But whatever, they get the thing. He ends up in the trunk this week and he's overcome his fears. And then they've told him that he's going to wrestle Dexter Loomis on this show. Yeah. Uh, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez uh, beat Casey Cottonzero and Caden Carter. Another week of Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez out here on TV and it not doing anything for me. They they can't seem to separate those two from from um, Tegan Knox. And she's in a number one contenders match this week with Candice LeRae, Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, and Mia Yim for the number one contendership for the um, NXT Women's title. This is going to be an elimination match that they have now announced for this week's Great American Bash, along with Sasha Banks going against Io Shirai for the NXT Women's title. So Karrion Cross has a match here against Bronson Reed, and he taps him out with the cross jacket. I liked this match because it started to give them more. Uh, this is the match that they should have done before jumping right into the Tommaso Champa match and sacrificing Champa the way that they did only a few weeks into the Karrion Cross run. Have him run over a couple of people, then get the bigger guy like Bronson Reed to come out and challenge him. And let Bronson Reed be the first person to really get some kind of offense on him. Bigger guy, you think, all right, these two can stand. Karrion Cross is a beast. He was throwing Bronson Reed all over this ring. And then, like I said, he tapped him out with the cross jacket. But we know the Karrion Cross is coming after whoever wins the winner-take-all match at uh, the Great American Bash for the uh, North American and NXT World titles here. Dexter Loomis uh, defeated Roddy by, via countout, so we didn't have a payoff there. Rhea Ripley beat Aaliyah clean. This match was very quick. And uh, yeah, Rhea kind of seems to be flustering as well. There, I th I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with Rhea Ripley, but Rhea Ripley... Uh, does not have the same allure, if you ask me, that she did before losing to Charlotte at WrestleMania. In the main event of this show, North American title was on the line. Triple threat match, Keith Lee uh, against Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano. 
this match went three segments, and they did all the the spots. The spot where uh, Balor's in the corner, and they had the angle shot where Keith Lee just arises from behind him, and it's that was cool once. I think it's fucking stupid to do it all the goddamn time. That's just me because it's just a cheap spot for a for a, a camera angle that you need to have, and it's planned, and that's why I I don't like it because it's planned. Uh, in the end, yeah, Keith Lee wins here. And at the end, Adam Cole comes out and and they do the spot where they're holding up uh, each other's belts. Now, the last thing I want to talk about on this show earlier, they ask Adam Cole in an interview, who does he, who would he rather face? And he cuts a baby face promo here. And he says that it doesn't matter to him because, you know, essentially nobody is, can stop him. No, nobody can take the, the title from him. But that answer of no one and the way that he did it so confidently is a babyface promo. If you ask me, if Keith Lee wins the title and instantly jumps into a feud with Karrion Cross, tremendous. But the problem is, is Adam Cole still needs to be involved somehow, if that's the case, unless they're bringing them up to the main roster. It's too much meat on the bone there to really decide, because I think a lot of it d- depends on that. My personal opinion is Adam Cole, as the NXT champion, should retain against Keith Lee. It does not hurt Keith Lee as the North American champion to lose to the champion that has been the champion now for... Almost a year. So that's my thought on on the NXT portion. And winding it down with SmackDown. SmackDown really didn't have anything. This week's SmackDown was pretty much a tribute to The Undertaker. Now, due to all the COVID things that happened earlier in the week, the WWE only filmed 38 minutes of footage to use for SmackDown this week. So... They played the first portion of the Dream Team versus the Million Dollar Team, the Undertaker's debut from the Survivor Series 1990, on the SmackDown broadcast. They also replayed the Boneyard match from this past year's WrestleMania against AJ Styles. And then a lot of other portions that you could tell were interviews that they used in the Last Ride series. But they started intertwining things in between it. There's a promo from Baron Corbin that almost seems like Corbin, they're teasing a, a, a possible Baron Corbin match with The Undertaker. I wasn't really a fan of that. Basically here, Corbin said that Undertaker is an old bag of bones and, uh, and a shell of what he used to be. He says The Undertaker spent a lot of 30 years in the WWE kissing ass and references the Kiss My Ass Club, brings it back and talks about that. And which says that The Undertaker was the founding member, says that The Undertaker uh, was holding athletes down like him for a long time. He says that The Undertaker sucks. And then Jeff Hardy comes out and attacks him. Which is going to be your main event of Baron Corbin and Jeff Hardy. Alexa Bliss versus Lacey Evans versus Nikki Cross versus Dana Brooke in a fatal four-way match for the number one contenders match. Uh, in the end, uh, Nikki Cross stacked up Lacey Evans uh, for the win. So we're going to get Bailey versus Nikki Cross 
for the SmackDown Women's title at Extreme Rules. Uh, there was a tag match with Lucha House Party and The New Day versus The Miz and John Morrison. Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura, Lucha House Party and The New Day won that one. Braun Strowman comes out. And they're pushing this Strowman Express thing more and more and more. And I, was, I said tonight, when I was watching the show before I got a chance to re- review this tonight, that something tells me that the WWE is going to drop the Braun name from Braun Strowman. And they're going to turn him into strictly the Strowman Express. We've seen this so many times recently where they start by just... Throwing a name out there. Chad Gable was Chad Gable for years. But then one week, he got called Shorty G. Then two weeks later, he was officially Shorty G. Just dropped Chad Gable. <sighs> Strowman Express is uh, not a championship name, if you ask me. Just saying. The face of your company one of your faces, and your, and your biggest monster. Yeah. But basically, uh, Strowman comes out to the ring, and he says that when he first met Bray Wyatt, he felt fear. He felt the kind of fear that makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Uh, that is something uh, wrong, a fear that can make a, a grown man tremble. One night, he says he looked at, uh, they were at the swamp. He said he saw something slithering towards Bray's lantern. Bray stopped him when he tried to uh, kill it. It was a snake. Bray said that it was his friend. He said that he then the snake bit Bray in the face several times. And all Bray did was just laugh. He didn't bleed. He didn't do anything. He said Bray didn't flinch. He said all he did was laugh. And he knew at that moment that he was the devil himself. He and he realized Bray uh, was the serpent all this time. Braun uh, started to do the devil's work with him. The bad part is he loved every second of it. He said part of him still does. He's done everything in his power to lock that part of him away and forget about it. But it, but it calls and he can't go living on like this. He proposes to Bray uh, that they go back to the swamp. Either Braun comes out of the most evil SOB ever or he's spitting in the devil's face to drag him in the swamp where the alligators will finish him off. Does this fucking sound ridiculous to you? So we're going to get another fucking cinematic match that's going to take place in a swamp in three weeks. Please. I, I, I don't want to watch that. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm, I have watched wrestling my entire life. And I got approached to do a podcast to talk about it. And uh, ever since, ever since I've started this podcast, the uh, the disdain that I have for some of the things that I have to watch and talk about every week is just, it's, it's mind-numbing. <laughs> it makes me want to drink. It makes me not even want to watch wrestling anymore because some of it is just that bad. And I'll say it. But through it all, there's still some good. Just none of that happened to be on this show. 
the main event was Jeff Hardy, King Corbin in a ladder jack, uh, ladder jack, in a lumberjack match. Jeff Hardy wins with a swanton bomb. And then afterwards, everybody hits their moves on Corbin. And then it ends with Jeff Hardy in the middle of the ring doing the Undertaker pose on one knee where the Undertaker doing the pose on the screen is flashed up as they fade to black. You know, after all the stuff this week, it was talking about all the COVID. There's a lot of reports that came out that said if AEW just decided to stop filming for the foreseeable future for health implications, they would not survive. They would have to declare bankruptcy and, and cease operation because they don't have enough. The WWE has hundreds of thousands of hours of content that they can air. This past week alone, we saw on one episode of SmackDown something from 1990 as well as from 2020. The WWE really needs to slow their roll. They brought this on themselves. AEW has done the proper precautions. They spent the money. They had the testing done. And they have been doing it since they were able to start back up operations in May. Because the health and the safety of their performers, crew, and staff was what was important. The WWE has decided this whole time that, quote-unquote, the fans deserve the the show. At, at what cost? At the cost of the health of their employees and their performers and their staff? It's, it's extremely selfish and in extreme poor taste. I can only imagine with three hours of Monday Night Raw tomorrow night, right after all this stuff that went on last week, with only 38 minutes of content for SmackDown, you now have Charlotte Flair that's off. and She's going to be gone for a while. What we're going to see. I could see a, a segment where we're going to do one of these Here's a match, and it goes two segments. Then it becomes a tag match that goes another two segments to fill up 50 minutes of an hour. I'm not looking forward to uh, speak about Raw and SmackDown next week. However, I am looking forward to speaking about night one of NXT's Great American Bash and next week's uh, this week's night one of AEW's Fighter Fest. So we'll talk about all that stuff next week. Until then, have a great 4th of July weekend and stay safe and stay over. 